0: epistle is from Galatians chapter 3. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, it does not say, and to his offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Back in college, when I was struggling with the Christian faith, I requested to meet with a local pastor. I had a lot of questions as I was about to leave the Christian faith, on the verge of leaving the Christian faith. Well, long story short, as I visited with this pastor, he asked me a simple and yet powerful question. It was a question that kind of got down to the nitty-gritty, the kind where the rubber would meet the road. And he said to me, he put it right at me, and he said this, if you were to die right now, Matt, where would you end up? With Christ or in hell? Now, obviously, taking a bit back, I replied by saying, in heaven, of course, in heaven. To which he responded to me and said, why? Why would you go to heaven? Now, I want you all to listen very carefully and closely to what I told this pastor. I said I would go to heaven because of Jesus and because I have walked a moral life. Because I have Jesus, and I walked a moral life. I can remember, like yesterday, that pastor sat back in his chair and he said this. He said, you think you're going to go to heaven because you've been a good boy for God? Congratulations. Really? Now, with a small chuckle and without hesitation, the pastor opened up his Bible, and he had me read some verses from the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians. Later that afternoon, when I was at home, Serenity asked me, how did things go with that pastor? To which I snarled and responded with anger, and I said, not good, not good at all. He called me a sinner. (laughs) He called me a sinner. Dear friends, the reason why I bring this story up to you is that my response to that pastor that day was a response that blended law, a law answer and the promised gospel together. It blended them together. Sure, I gave credit to Jesus, but I also gave credit to myself. I was saved due to the promises of God, and I was also saved due to, well, my moral piety. It was Jesus and me, hand in hand together. Here we go that pastor though once he heard that confession where i confess christ and myself he went to work on me though like a crowbar coming between two pieces of wood that are stuck together that pastor he shared a scripture scripture from galatians that actually drove a wedge between jesus and my moral piety according to my way of thinking again i was saved by jesus's work and matt richard's work but again that pastor he wanted to well he wanted to blow up the connection between the two He wanted to blow up the connection between God's work and my work. He wanted to separate the connection between God's promises and my moral piety. So today, you may be thinking, are we saying that our moral piety contributes nothing towards our salvation? Again, are we saying right here, right now, in this sanctuary, are we saying today that our moral piety contributes nothing towards our salvation? Yes, we are. One hundred percent, yes, we are. Actually, that is exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying in our reading from the Epistle of Galatians. Indeed, in Galatians. Now, dear friends, during the first century, during the time of Galatians, many Jewish people during that time, they trusted in what is called the Mosaic Covenant and the Abrahamic Covenant. The Mosaic Covenant was the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. The Abrahamic Covenant was the promise of Jesus, the Messiah, through the lineage of Abraham. And so for a person to be saved and for them to be whole, to have salvation, they needed the Ten Commandments, to follow the Ten Commandments, and they needed to also trust in the Abrahamic Covenant. They needed both the law and the gospel. And so in our reading from Galatians 3, apostle Paul, like that pastor, he's actually driving a wedge between the law and the promise when the people, the first century, when they, again, melded the two together. He was separating the two. As we know from human history, unfortunately, mankind has a tendency to put the law and the promise back together again, blending the two. See, we do not have to think too far back To the reformation when the christians were supposedly saved when they were supposedly had salvation before god through christ and get this a whole bunch of roman catholic abuses indeed they blended the law and the promises of the gospel for them they needed jesus plus indulgences jesus plus monastic vows jesus plus well being a part of a monastery, Jesus plus a pilgrimage, Jesus plus severe discipline, Jesus plus whatever on and on and on it went. The Roman Catholic theology of the 1500s was Jesus with a comma, if you will. And so here comes along this no-named monk from a small little town called Wittenberg, a cow pasture town called Wittenberg, and Martin Luther with the 16th century reformers, they dared, though, to remove the comma after Jesus, and they put a period, Jesus, period. They actually came and they wedged a period between Jesus and all the silly, pious games that the church of that time was orchestrating at that time. They placed not a comma, but they inserted a period. Now, I wish I could say that churches in America have not blended the law and the promise of the gospel. However, tragically, that is not the case. You see just like the problems in the days of Paul as well as the problems of the 1500s the version of Christianity most prominent in America today has a view of the gospel of salvation of eternal life a view of Christianity where it's Jesus plus something else You see we need to keep in mind that many churches in America they do not dismiss Christ they accept Christ very much they like Jesus they trust Jesus but they don't trust him alone they do not trust him alone, and that is the key. Anytime that you and I attempt to add to Jesus, even if it's just a little bit, a little bit something, we're not improving the gospel promises of God, but we're actually destroying the promises of God. So, dear friends, pay attention. Anytime that you and I add or subtract from Jesus, we end up, well, we end up destroying everything. We negate his cross. We pervert the message of the gospel. We trample on the Son of God. And so salvation before God is not Jesus plus our decision. It's not Jesus plus our faithful obedience. It's not Jesus plus being Missouri Senate. It's not Jesus plus praying a lot. It is Jesus alone, period. It is not Jesus plus or minus anything. It's just Jesus, Right now in America, right now in America, we have a whole list, unfortunately, a whole list of virtual signals that we're expected to follow in order to be accepted by certain segments of population. It's kind of an elephant in the room, but let's just draw it right out and let's be very frank this morning. From the left-leaning part of our country, you need to drive an electric car. You have to have a rainbow flag on your house. You have to wear a mask. You have to vote for Democrats and be pro-choice and on and on and on. We know how it goes. We hear it. And also, for the other side, for the right-leaning part of our country, you need to be big oil. You need to be pro-life. You need to be anti-target. You need to be anti-Bud Light. And you need to vote Republican, to name a few. And it can go on and on and on. Now, please hear me very carefully. If we view Christianity as Jesus, plus or minus any of these things, we have allowed the promise of the gospel to be blended with something else. We've actually destroyed the gospel. We have destroyed the message of the gospel. So, are we saying that these things don't matter? Is that what we're saying? For salvation, they don't. That's the whole point. The only thing that matters for salvation is Christ, period. Driving an electric car, supporting big oil, not drinking a Bud Light, having a rainbow flag, wearing a mask, not shopping at Target, being pro choice, voting Democrat or Republican, do not contribute to your salvation whatsoever. If they did, then Christ died for nothing. They do not get you, here's the point, they do not get you one inch closer to the kingdom of God, for they did not bleed they did not bleed, and they did not die for you. Now, right about now, I would imagine that you may be getting a bit agitated. Just so you know, I'm a bit agitated preaching this as well. I was even more agitated when I had to write this last night. And the reason being is this, you may be saying, Pastor, what's the point of the law then? Don't standards, don't laws, don't policies matter for anything in Christianity? Don't they matter for this world that is seems to be going to hell in a handbasket. Does it matter? Does the law matter? Dear friends, the law of God, those good and great Ten Commandments, they're very good. And they're intended to not only show everyone the good will of God, but also to show every single person that we are all out of a right relationship with God because of sin. In other words, the law of God certainly works to curb sin in this life, to keep us from doing, well, stupid things to ourselves and stupid stuff to other people. It has a way of curbing us. However, at the same time, the law of God shows us the foolishness of our attempts to devise some religious system to get by on our own efforts. And so the law of God is not against the promised gospel at all, but instead the law of God actually has a way of leveling you and me in repentance, to grinding us down to a fine powder in repentance and sorrow for sin so that we can know what we are before God, to know that we're lost, to know that we need a Savior, to know that we need redemption. The law actually prepares us to receive Christ and his gifts. Both the law and the promised gospel, they have the intended purpose and aim of your salvation. Indeed, your salvation. However, only the gospel is that which forgives. Only the gospel is that which gives life and salvation to you. And so, in our culture, you and I may find ourselves not shopping at a particular store and maybe shopping at another store. We may find ourselves voting for this candidate and not that candidate. We may find ourselves Perhaps, maybe not waving this flag, but waving that flag. However, we do these things not to contribute to our salvation, or even somehow to codify our salvation, because they're not Christ. But rather, we do these things or we don't do these things to discipline our sinful old Adam and also to serve our neighbor. We do these things because God prepared good works for his children of light to walk in. Baptized saints, you contribute nothing to your salvation, nothing to salvation, nothing to the gospel, because nothing is needed. It's that simple. Jesus did it all for you. He finished it all for you. He accomplished all for you. And regarding the law of God, we do not reject the law, but rather we uphold it. It is good, this law of God, because it curbs sin. It shows us what God's good will is, and it continually reveals sin so that we may be humbled in repentance so that we may receive the gospel again and again and again. It is Christ, full stop. It is Christ with a period. It is Jesus for you because he finished it all for you. In the name of Jesus. Right with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richards' blog at www.pastormatrichard.org, or visit Saint Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The, the Lord bless and keep you. And keep you.